1: I've gone from glamorous job to glamorous job. I got a job as a beauty consultant, and that was nice, but it, nothing is glamorous. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's fun, and it looks like you're really successful, but, you know, you still got to live with yourself, you've still got to come home to yourself. And I was making very, very poor choices for myself. I literally didn't know how to make decisions for myself.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, in Lindy Gallagher's young adult years, she led quite a glamorous life. She performed in a ballet company, did some modelling and beauty consulting, and even travelled a bit as a flight attendant. She would say that this part of her life was pretty self-obsessed. However, she's gone from all this to living a life of service to others. In particular, as we'll hear, she has helped many young girls in prison. Today, we'll hear Lindy Gallagher share her story as she has a chat with Karen Hunt.
2: You were born in England. You came to Australia as a little baby. Tell us, how old were you and what was it that brought your family out to our nation? Um, I was 11 months old. I was born in
1: St Albans in Hertfordshire Mm -hmm. and um, my father had been given a contract with Brisbane Gas Company. Ah. He was an engineer designer of ovens and things and so we came out for three years but we haven't gone back since. Well, we visited but we haven't left Australia and my parents have gone home to be with the Lord now.
2: So at that time of your life, was there any family support? Did you have community around you of any kind? Kind um, Was faith a part of your world? Tell us.
1: Well, Mum was a Christian. She was, it was called, the Anglican Church in those days was called the Church of England, as mm-hmm. everything was sort of English in the 50s and 60s before it was uh, Australianized, if you like. Dad was a non-believer, and Mum made sure that I went to church, that we were all confirmed in the Anglican way when mm-hmm. we were 11, and um, she like, got me into the choir. But church wasn't a... Uh, weekly thing. It was for special events you know, Christmas, Easter and that yep. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go to a Sunday school but I can even remember as a very little girl being taught the stories, the great stories of especially the Old Testament were more myth than reality mm-hmm. just to make us kids interested, you know. So um, I was confirmed at 11 and that was a special experience except it was more about tradition, sure. you know wearing a white veil and mm-hmm. a white dress and mm-hmm. feeling grown up and Mm -hmm. I remember the rector said now you need to confess your sins before (laughs) you can and I thought what does that mean? (laughs) I remember saying to him oh I think I'm a bit nasty to my nanny sometimes (laughs) and shortly after that going to high school I just thought it was all a load of garbage Mm -hmm. and I remember very vividly standing exactly where it was Corinda High School on the basketball courts And one girl saying to me, oh, you don't believe in God, do you? Mm. And I thought, oh, gee, I better be careful what I say here. And I said, no, no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't think anyone said that they did, but I can't remember why the conversation came up, but it very rarely came across my path. And Mm -hmm. then I went, I was invited to a a church camp by a school friend who lived close by to me, and she said, oh, you know, let's go to this camp because there's going to be boys there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I was, oh, wow, you know, coming from a family of girls and dad being the ultimate paternalistic figure in our home, Mm -hmm. I thought this is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. But whilst I was there I remember a lovely young woman up the front and she was pounding around a bit. I was all stirred up inside and she said, who stand who's gonna stand up for Jesus? And I could feel all the stirring in my in my gut really. Yeah. My girlfriend said, Don't you dare stand up And I just stood up and um, they took me out the back with a few others and explained, I think, what I'd done, but it didn't really make much sense. But I was pretty excited by it. I was about 13 or 14 and they tried to keep in touch with me and sent me a Bible. But truly, it was only a matter of a few weeks after that, that I thought, oh, this is garbage I'm not going to have anything to do with this. This So you went back to the same thought. Yeah, I did. That's the path I went along until I was 24. (laughs)
2: Well, you're not alone. I'm sure there's similarities there for many different people. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Lindy, you came back from that camp but didn't quite understand what had just happened, didn't really have the support network around you for any kind of discipleship or training and life was void of anything to do with Christianity for, what, 10 years, you said? Yes, it was 10 years
1: but as happens in a lot of young people's lives, my whole passion really, right from a tiny little girl, I wanted to be a ballerina. Okay. And so um, I worked very hard at that and loved it And the more I did it, the more serious training I did The more it was obvious I had some talent wow. And I ended up being chosen after some time when I was 16 yeah. um, To dance with the Queensland Ballet Company
2: Wow, so we're talking
1: classical ballet here obviously Oh yes. classical Okay, yes. congratulations and, Oh, it was wonderful, yeah And very exciting That's when I felt most at home, dancing and um, being part of Uh the company. And, yes, it was just, I remember it was such,
2: um, I was just in bliss. (laughs) That's a pretty special thing for a teenage girl. And during your high school years as well. Yes, yes.
1: Well, I was doing it all day, every day once I left school and all sorts of things, you know, injuries started to happen and I grew very tall. Um, in those days, the company men and women were, were pretty small and yeah. I was five foot eight. I don't know what that is in the new lingo. <laughs> so um, basically, Mr. Listener had a talk with my father and just said, look, I probably won't be able to employ Linda. There are no partners taller than she is mm-hmm. and she has got these issues with her knees and and one ankle, so it's probably best she finds another career. That would have been horrible for you. How did you respond to that? not well but because I didn't sure. know what else to do with my life. My whole psyche was saying yes. this classical ballet mm-hmm. so I didn't know what to do and um, my mother in her efforts to help me said well you're tall and you're slender, I'll take you up to a modelling agency uh-huh. which is what she did. Yes. I had to pay for the training and I became a professional model for two years after that and that was fun and they were just starting to bring in dancing yeah. with fashion so mm-hmm. I was her star model if you like with two other girls and so a lot of dancing was done to show off you know for the fashion of the time but I got very bored with it and it's a very poor thing for the self-esteem I had a shocking self-esteem and I just um had difficulty feeling accepted in modeling mm. because again you were chosen on your look mm-hmm. rather than on what you could do and mm-hmm. and so while I had I had some success it was just I just felt myself going down and down i I'm not saying depressed but yeah. it was everything was nothing after
2: ballet. Yeah. So in the emptiness, in the void, Lindy, mm-hmm. what did you go on to pursue? Um, I became an air hostess. That's what we were oh. called in those days. Yeah.
1: Um, with Ansett Airlines of Australia, okay. which is no longer. And I went down to uh, Melbourne for training, and I actually was based in Melbourne, but I was um, terribly homesick and had a boyfriend back in Brisbane who was doing his best to bring me back. So I only really lasted with Ansett for, mm, I suppose, six to nine months, and came back to Brisbane because I was such a home girl. And I was happy to be back, but then Dad said, you've got to have a job, and he suggested I apply for a, a bank job. Now, um, Oh, what a contrast. I know, and it was a horrible contrast, not only for me but for the staff that I worked with. But anyway, I can't remember how long I lasted with them, maybe six months. Oh, and look, honestly, I've gone from glamorous job to glamorous job. I got a job as a um, selling cosmetics. I was a beauty consultant and that was nice because I travelled all around Queensland in my little beetle bug (laughs) for the company and would go into shops as a consultant. I was the star there and you were there to sell everything and I Mm. would do hundreds of faces per week so that they could sell their stock and Mm -hmm. all of that sounded very glamorous but it Nothing is glamorous. Mm. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's fun and it looks like you're really successful but, you know, you still got to live with yourself, you still got to come home to yourself and I was making very, very poor choices for myself. I literally didn't know how to make decisions for myself because my my dad had done all that for me and so when I did make a decision, they were very, very faulty. So I led a fairly, a very promiscuous life and I was exposed to that, I guess the entertainment world, television and and all that sort of stuff and so I was making very poor choices for my life
2: You found out, Lindy, that life was kind of void and empty out of the spotlight, yeah? Yeah.
1: But being young, you know, you always think oh, something better's going to happen or that's what I thought the world was still my oyster I was still very young
0: You're listening to The Story. Today Karen Hunt is chatting with Lindy Gallagher who's gone from a life of glamour and self-obsession to serving others through prison ministry. We'll hear more of Lindy's story when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME That's 1-800-772-936 It's a free call or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Lindy Gallagher, who's gone from a life of glamour and self-obsession to helping and serving others. Now, here's more of Lindy sharing her life journey and how she became passionate about helping young women through prison ministry.
1: I lived very briefly in the Middle East as a flight attendant with Gulf Air, yeah. which is the United Arab Emirates airline, mm-hmm. and so I lived in Bahrain um, for nearly a year, always being homesick, and religion, if you like, is in your face every day there, um, but we were kept away from the locals, uh, in fact, we were fenced off from the locals because we were all white. So how would you
2: define a religion there,
1: in, well, your, in your face, what kind? Well, they're very... oh. I think it was six o'clock. They would always have the call out to all the the good men prayers. I didn't know what was happening, mm-hmm. but they were calling them to prayer. That's mm-hmm. what they told us. They were calling them to prayer. So that was constantly there in, in our face. Uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it. The Middle East was so opposite to everything that I had known here in Australia or yeah. anything in the West. Mm-hmm. So um, I just, um, you know, I just lived there and couldn't wait to get back home. Tell uh, me,
2: Lindy, you yeah. currently work with yes, girls do. in women's prisons. You connected yes. with Prison Fellowship. Now, that's a far cry from being an air hostess in the Middle East and oh, being in the, the world of glamour. Praise God for that. So how did you get to to
1: that point. Well, after I, I became a born-again, spirit-filled Christian in a charismatic church, the last week of March in 1978, yeah. um, Christian Outreach Centre, oh. and um, um, Clark Taylor was um, the pastor of the church. Yeah. I was told, I found out later, that it was the end of the charismatic era um, before it went a lot quieter in the 80s. But it was spectacular. It was so far from what I expected church to to be and you know you've got to remember I came from a real God hater, church hater to sharing my sister sharing what was happening to her to knowing that God was real mm. and I mean I was so stunned that he was real so stunned. There were miracles happening and there was loud music mm. and everyone would dance and there were cameras and there were filming. Oh, what was it called a New Way of Living which was a Christian program on every Sunday <laughs> At some stage,
2: and so it was pretty exciting. Church. So, was your whole family involved there, or oh you discovered God. this place yourself? No, How did that happen? No, no, no. my elder sister
1: was. But yeah, my three, the three of us, I should say, had all become um, radical believers. Okay, so um, Susan had taken me to this church. It wasn't the church that saved me, but it was. Was God, of course, and and it was such a special and wonderful time um, because I'm a sort of very out. I want to say this to people, I'm a very out there person. I'm Are you? Very, <laughs> no, something you don't understand. <laughs> but the thing that was beautiful, when I think of it, I thank God for it. Is that it wasn't frantically exciting for me? Okay. It was this deep, mm. deep, calm mm-hmm. peace, which was totally opposite to what my personality can be now, but mm-hmm. certainly was then. Mm-hmm. So I could never say, oh, it was sheer excitement or this. It was just. This wonderful peace mm-hmm. and, and over the 36 and a half years, the love and grace of God for me and for the lost and for the underprivileged. It's such a pleasure and a privilege to go to girls, um, in this inside because I've sat through many ghastly trials and they're deeply impacting and horrible. There's this incredible ability that only God could give to me and I've grabbed hold of. I can see these boys and girls, that's all they are, they're children and uh, they've had terrible things happen to them and they've done terrible things it's not an excuse but it's a reason and I just have this ability which I've just grabbed hold of I believe it was I believe it's for all of us but Mm -hmm. I have grabbed hold of it I love them I love these girls Um, many times over 19 years that I've been doing this I've thought you know you see these awful headlines and awful things that happen and I say to Noel I can't do this any I just cannot do it And then I think of their faces And I'm always just one-on-one Because I'm not a chaplain, okay Mm -hmm. One-on-one, they're just The depth of love, the passion of of God's love for them Is remarkable And so when, when I tell people that's what I do And done for nearly 20 years I feel so strongly for the victims and, and the trauma that even just having your house broken into or your yeah. car stolen or witnessing something else, the trauma that stays with the victims. People couldn't possibly accept me to be a help to them because there's, there's this this uh, taking sides uh, mentality that comes into people's minds, which I can quite understand. And of course, the you know newspapers and the and the media really that present the whole story, as you know. That mm. um, you side with the perpetrators and you try and fight for them to get out of jail, but that's not it at all. That's not, that's not what I go for. That's not what my husband was a chaplain for. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even to teach them and train them to not do this or to do that or whatever. It's just because everyone needs to be accepted no matter mm-hmm. how vile
2: they've been. We all need to be accepted. Your Mm -hmm. compassionate heart started to develop and you went from a life of self-obsession to one really focusing on others, particularly girls in... Mm women's prisons. Tell me Lindy about that new passion for the lost and the underprivileged. Tell us about prison fellowship. Your husband has been a chaplain with prison fellowship. Tell us more. Well, um, I um, actually started
1: visiting women in jail four years before Noel um, became a chaplain, but we've always had a heart for our prison folk Mm -hmm. and it got more involved um, after that time. Now, I'd been visiting girls that the chaplain from prison Fellowship had been giving me and I wanted to do more, I wanted to do more than that and um, I didn't really want to become a chaplain so um, I had done a literacy course and she advised me to ring up the education section in the Brisbane Women's Mm -hmm. and so I said that I just I wanted to be a volunteer, I wanted to help girls in whatever stage of literacy they were at whether they were from another country or write letters for them or help them with any courses that they were going for. And so, for the next four years, from two thousand to the end of two thousand and four, I was a um, volunteer literacy tutor, and I went in one day a week, and I was in heaven. And I, I because I'm not a trained teacher, um, and I didn't want, uh, you know, I didn't want, want to have a group of girls. So I thought that I would never be able to control them. But one on one, Karen, one on one, I never ever pushed my faith on my love for God on them. Not ever. In Inevitably, they would say, why do you bother coming in mm-hmm. for me? I would always say, because God loves you so much. Mm-hmm. And they say, but look what I've done, or I'm, I'm here on a trumped-up charge, or whatever it might be. And I said, God's grace is so beyond our understanding that I can't explain it to you. Mm-hmm. But he's created you. And we live in a fallen world, and we 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 are sinners, if you like, because of this fallen world that we live in. And he comes into our life. He's such a darn gentleman. He won't come in unless we ask him. He never forces us to do anything. He doesn't do terrible things to us in spite of many saying that he does he's our loving god and he loves you and you're being punished by the world system as you should be Mm -hmm. and if they're in there for life let's make your life worthwhile for you and for others And that's the thing, that's how we pick up our cross daily and that's how we lay our lives down daily is for someone else. Just the simple thing, I am no teacher, but the simple thing of encouraging them and they all had terrible stories about, oh, that teacher said I was hopeless, that teacher said I'd never make anything that, you know, and unfortunately I know that that can happen, that there are millions more that are fabulous teachers. But they had this mental image put on them and all I'd have to say was like, I remember, one girl, she just said, Oh, I can't do English, I'm hopeless at that. You know, I'm dead. and I said, Well, look, just do this course because it'll help when you, you're you released. Let me suggest, let's look at the questions. And I said, Well, why don't you look at it th- this way and that way? And this particular girl, and it happened so many times, eventually ended up saying, Oh, I know what I'm doing, Linda, and I know <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and it was just Things of how to phrase sentencing, and perhaps a little bit more improved grammar. Yeah. But it was never about saying no, that's right or that's wrong. It was saying, "Well, what do you feel? What do you want to put in it?" And to see girls that have been raped as babies, that have mm. been to see that, that someone cared enough to whether they could write a letter properly yeah. or do anything like that. Yes. And most of, we would do the work, but I'd say, "Tell me about yourself." I never asked them what their um, crime was because that is a huge no-no of when you, you know, it's like going into someone's home and saying, well, what have you done wrong lately? Mm. You know, Mm. it's just, it's it's a place of privilege and honour to be there for those people and for those girls. Um, So Noel was a, a prison fellowship chaplain for nearly 10 years with two men's jails and he would take me in with him when he was doing the church services every six weeks And we never, ever said, we never, ever said, this is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. We just say, look, these are the mistakes we've made, Mm -hmm. made them again and again, and sometimes deliberately made them. But God still says, come to me, come to me. And let me let me show you how much I love you. They know I love them. I would never tell them, oh, it's not really me. It's God through me. They have to know I love them as much as I'm telling them God loves them. The success rate of immediate change is pretty low. But they find out that hook, that gorgeous hook of the Holy Spirit. They can never, ever forget that there are some people that, tell them that God really loves them in spite of the awful things that they've done. And that God's grace, that's covered for me too. Grace is... Inexplicable And yet it's real And it's just as much for us So-called good folk As it is for those Who have um, done these terrible crimes I don't want to preach at them And I don't I hope I don't Um, And I'm not a teacher I just want to be me I, I heard this at church a few months ago I just want to do life with them And that means when they come out Their families When they go back in again Come out, in, out
2: that's how God is with me and that's how he is with them. How precious it is that you can go in and develop relationship yes. with these women. It's an ongoing thing. You're oh, yes, you're a is. carer. I hear the passion. I hear the compassion. Now you mentioned to me earlier about your Hubby with bad boys down under as yes. a title. You actually created something. Good girls. What's yes, that? I did. For about, I suppose
1: it was. I can't remember how long. Maybe eight, five to eight years. Yeah. We, what we used to go into the valley. It started out way back um, in two thousand. We were um, a fellow who had done some time. He stayed with us on and off his year when he was on leave of absence anyway he started to work in the valley at a cafe shop and Uh he said Linda you should be in here at the early hours of Sunday morning because that's where all the the pimps, the prostitutes, the pushers they all wind up for the night and they come to this place because it was 24 hours open and you should be here every Sunday morning. So we started going, just Niall and I started going and doing, and we came across so many of our folk from jail, from the different jails, and um, we've had the most glorious times of relationship with... Oh, so many of them. And they'd, we went for the first couple of years, we went in every week. But then bad boys started really taking, well, it had been taking off for a while. And so Noel um, started up the bad boys there. And, and so I had my little table of girls. Some of them had done time. Some of them had friends inside. And some of them just wanted to be a part of that ministry. But there was no preaching. There was no teaching. There was no singing. It was just relationship in the mind
2: marketplace. God bless you. God bless Noel. Thank Thank you for your time and have a great day today.
1: Thank you so much Karen. It's been really wonderful for me to be able to talk with you and your wonderful program. Bless you Dale. Bless you too hon. Have a
2: great day. Bye bye. Bye.
0: That was Karen Hunt chatting with Lindy Gallagher. ...who certainly has come a long way from her self-obsessed younger years filled with beauty and glamour. As we heard, she became very passionate about helping young women who were in prison or had just come out of prison. Unfortunately, since this conversation was recorded, both Lindy and her husband Noel have gone on journeys with cancer. I'm happy to report that both of them have fully recovered after several chemotherapy treatments but are a little weaker, and Lindy says she no longer makes the two-hour trip to the prison as she wants to stay close to her husband. However, this has not stopped both of them from being involved in the lives of many of the people they've helped over the years, and she says they've become like family. Many of them even call her and her husband mum and dad, and they celebrate birthdays and other life milestones together. Well, if prison ministry sounds like something you would like to be involved in, A good ministry to look up is Prison Fellowship. Their website is prisonfellowship.org.au. That's prisonfellowship.org.au. And speaking of Lindy's husband, Noel, next time will be his turn to share his story of being a prison chaplain and starting a ministry called Bad Boys Down Under. We'll also hear about his younger years being a professional rugby league player. So we invite you to join us again next time For Noel's story Until then I'm Jimmy Colfax Encouraging you to share Your story With someone today Next time On the story A lot of the players I played against That day I end up becoming A member of The kangaroo team With And we uh, Toured England And France Those
1: days The tours Lasted nearly Six months Uh So the kangaroo
0: tour Was absolutely Amazing uh, Incredible memories And a Wonderful time Certainly, uh, one would say, not a very godly time. Noel Gallagher was an international rugby league player as a young man and was so busy enjoying his life as a professional athlete that he never had time for God. That was until the Lord finally got a hold of his heart and gave him a passion for helping ex-prison inmates. We'll hear Noel's story next time. The story. Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.